Amen. We want to welcome all of you online. We pray that you join us and stay tuned. This morning, I have a, I have a word from the Lord. And this is something that's been burning in my heart for a while. Because of the importance that this message, what I'm going to share with you, has to do with our prayer life. Because without what I'm going to share with you, my life, my prayer life, and your prayer life is going to be a waste of time. And I'm going to do a little teaching, preaching sermon this morning. Because I think there needs to be some clarity in the lives of many of us here this morning as to who and what role the Holy Spirit prays in our prayer life. You see, our prayer life needs a helper. And sometimes we wonder why, why are my prayers not being answered? Why even waste my time? I've had people to tell me, you know, I've prayed on and off all my life and I haven't seen anything happening. Oh, I've been praying for the last several years and and I think sometimes it isn't that God doesn't love us or God doesn't care. I think sometimes our lack of wisdom and a lack of knowledge in the word of God hinders our prayer life. The Bible says that people, the people will perish for a lack of knowledge. And I just want to share some nuggets of truth with you that I believe in, in your life today and your life tomorrow. I believe in the life of this church at this present time. We need to zero in on how to pray in a way that we break through the darkness and we break through the enemy's lies and we get into the presence of God and we see God begin to move and answer our prayers because we're seeking the will of the Lord, not our will. So let me start with Ephesians 6, 18. It says, Praying always, pray always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. You see, prayer and the Holy Spirit is vitally linked together. There's no way that you can take the Spirit of God out here and pray and separate it. There's no way that you can separate the Word of God from the Spirit of God. What you got in then is flesh and spirit. And there's a lot of people that know the Word of God in the flesh, but they don't know it in the revelation of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that are praying in the flesh and get no answers because they have not allowed the presence of the Holy Spirit to be involved in their prayer life. And I'm going to try to take you through this, through the Holy Spirit, through the New Testament, and through the, the Old and New Testament. Zechariah 12, 10 says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Now let me tell you on the onset, I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures here this morning. He is called the spirit of supplication because he awakens in us the desire and the need to pray. You see, that has to be something that has to be stirred in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 says this, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Repeatedly, we're told to use the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. And I'm afraid that many people have, have through their lives grown up, given their heart to Jesus, but somehow we have been separated and made the Holy Spirit. To, it's like he's a boogeyman. Don't, don't mess with him. He's, he's a scary situation. 
And in this phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit, we have one of the greatest secrets of prayer. If someone would have asked me, what is the first great secret of successful prayer? I would have to say, praying in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. No denomination said that. The Word of God says that we ought to pray in the Holy Spirit. The ability to pray in the will of God demands more than mere human reasoning. Because we always pray what we want, what we think we need. And we can't be praying on, with human reasoning. Our prayers need wisdom and power that only the Holy Spirit can supply. You see, God the Father gave us God the Son, and God the Son gave us God the Holy Spirit. God is one. The Bible teaches us that yet he exists not in two, but in three distinct persons. So I'm going to give you some scriptures to show you a little bit of how the Trinity works and the importance of the each person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not an it. You hear a lot of people, there used to be a song that said, I've got it, I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. There were theologians many years ago that began to say and write that the Holy Spirit was just some cosmic influence out there that belonged to God. No, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, he's a has, he's him, himself, he's a person. We can't say, treat him like an it. You can't separate him from the Godhead. The personalities of the Godhead are evident in the creation of mankind, in the creation of the world. So let me take you to Genesis 1.26. Then God said, listen to him, listen to these words. Then God said, let us, he is talking about more than one person. Let us make, a, make man in our image according to our likeness. He is speaking when he created the world, when he created man. He said, let us make. The Godhead already existed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when God was about to destroy the Tower of Babel, he said in Genesis eleven seven, Come, let us go down and there confuse their languages that they may not understand one another's speech. All through the Old Testament, we are taught that the Trinity is three in one. They existed before the Old Testament time. It existed before he even made man to come into this world. And when you read in the Old Testament the phrase, the angel of the Lord, he's referring to Jesus Christ himself. The Trinity was also present at Christ's baptism. In Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says, and when Jesus, there's the first person of the Trinity, when Jesus was baptized, he came up immediately out of the water and suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God, that's the other person of the Trinity, descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how can we separate the Holy Spirit from our prayer life? Why is it that we're not being answered? Our prayer life are not being answered? Because we're not praying in the Spirit of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the triune God. 
He is the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Spirit who comforts and teaches us. Now there are three essential elements that every one of you and I possess. It's part of our human makeup. And that is that we all have an intellect, emotion, and will. All three of these elements are found in the power and the presence and the person, rather, of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. In John 14, 16 through 17, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. God the Father said, I'm going to send you the Spirit of truth. That's what Jesus said. Matter of fact, in one scripture, he said, it's, it's for your benefit that I go to be with the Father because when I go to be with the Father, I'm going to send you a helper. Now, let me throw something at you that some of you are going to think it's weird. But it is totally impossible for Jesus to come into the heart of every believer that this morning somewhere in the world is going to get saved. Now, some of you are saying, uh-oh. Now, think about this. This is very elementary, but think about it. You know why he can't do that? Because the Bible says that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. You know how he was going to do that? By sending us the Holy Spirit, because he's in a bodily form, in a, in a holy bodily form, but he's in bodily form at the presence of the Father. So in order for him and all of who he is and all who the God the Father is was to come into our life, he sent us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has no limitations. He can be everywhere at the same time. He can come and he can bring Jesus into the heart of every believer at the same time. He gives wisdom. He gets power. He anoints. He leads. He guides. He said, another helper that he may abide with you the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Listen to this. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You see, he can be anywhere. But you know him, for he dwells with, with you and will be with you. You know him. Church, you, if you are a believer this morning, you should know the Holy Spirit. You should have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You should be praying in the Spirit of God. You should be letting the Spirit of God move you and walk with you and talk with you and commune with you and bring all of who God is into your life. You give the Lord some praise. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And listen, he will teach you all things. There's his intellect. He will teach you all things. He's smart. He knows everything because he's part of the Godhead. He knows everything Jesus knows. He knows everything God the Father knows. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You see, our prayers need a helper. And how many times haven't we prayed and prayed and earnestly prayed, with sincerity we prayed. We prayed with a broken heart and we seem like nothing has happened. We feel empty because we're praying within our own human nature. We're praying things that God doesn't even want for us. When you, have, when you have decided that you have come up with the best that could ever be for you, the best you can pray, I'm going to tell you, God's got one better than that. 
but you got to pray through and you got to seek the Holy Spirit to know what exactly that is. God will reveal to you that is. And a lot of times the problem with us is that we don't want what God wants. We want what we want. You can say amen or you can say oh me, either one. The Spirit also has, is an emotional. Now these next few verses are not on the screen and they're not in your notes. So you may want to jot them down. He, he, the Spirit has emotions. He is an emotional being. Ephesians 4.30 says, and it tells us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You and I can be easily grieved by somebody we love, by anybody. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, do not quench the Spirit. It's possible that we can quench the Spirit. Acts 7.51 says that, we're not, that we, are to, we are not to resist the Spirit. Don't fight Him. Yield to Him. He also has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12.11, when, when we see the distribution of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we find here in verse 11 it says, But one and the same Spirit is active in all these distributing to each one as what? As he wills. So the Spirit has a will, just like you and I have an intellect, an emotion, and a will. So does he. You see, human wisdom, human desires can achieve human results. But praying in the Spirit produces divine results. And that's what we need. You see, real prayer is spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12 tells us this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We are fighting a battle, church. We're not fighting people. We're fighting the, the powers of darkness. And you can't fight the powers of darkness with human ability, with human knowledge and human will and human emotion. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit to help us fight those battles. And what we find here, the praying Christian is between, on one hand, the devil, and on the other hand, God. Wondering, how are we going to fight this battle? He is engaged in prayer warfare. And in his own strength, there's no match for the enemy. You and I cannot defeat the enemy on our own. Because Satan is a strong man, a mighty armed man. And the only thing that can de destroy him, the only thing that can overcome his is for you and I to learn to pray in the spirit of God to overcome the powers of darkness. And the power to be victorious in prayer was promised by Jesus when he said in Luke 10, 19, listen to what he said, behold, I give unto you power, power over the enemy. Where does that power come? He said, I, it's, it's, to your, it's to your benefit that I go to be with the Father soon after his resurrection. And if I go to the Father, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I am going to send you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Patacletus, and he's going to help you. He's going to guide you, convict you, lead you, teach you, anoint you, empower you to become what God wants you to become. Are we doing that? We are in warfare, church. And prayer is our weapon. 
And we must view, view prayer not as a ritual, but as a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're living in a world today that is really jacked up. We got the woke, hoke, bunch of idiots. We're saying what's good is bad and what's bad is good. There's no more convictions left in America. What we got is a bunch of educated fools running this country. We got churches that are not walking in the power of the Spirit of God. Church, let me tell you, what we've been through the last two months, it is heartbreaking. But we are going to make it. This church is going to make it because this is not our church. This is God's church. And we need to pray. Listen to me, church. I come to you in an urgency in my heart. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit that the right man stands behind this platform, a man full of wisdom, a man anointed of the Holy Spirit, None so, no politician. We need a man of God. Somebody that can rightfully divide the word of truth. Someone that has a heart for people. Someone that has a heart to reach the laws. Someone that has a spirit of administration and the spirit of unity and a vision, a big vision to take this church further than it's ever been. Because there's still a great foundation here this church to build on. I know that the enemies and the power of the enemy out there would say it's evangel, or rather a, a vibrant is finished. No, it's not finished. Because God doesn't quit when he starts something. And the power to be victorious was promised to us by Jesus. And you got to realize that we are, we are in a warfare. And our prayer is our weapon Praying is our weapon. We must view prayer as something so vital. It's as important to you as the blood that runs through your veins. The spiritual weaknesses that plague most of us grow out of our failure to enter into that experience that we find in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, that Paul calls this the communion of the Holy Spirit. That's what he called it. We have to be in communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Paul was so conscious of the Holy Spirit that it's hard to conceive him, not associating prayer with the Holy Spirit. And when we're praying in the Holy Spirit, we may not be trying to talk to God into doing something that he doesn't want. And that's what we always wind up doing. I need more money. I need a car. I need a house. I want you to get rid of so-and-so. Oh, yeah. I want you to do this. It's always, you know what we pray? It's the me prayer. Or the I pray, I want, I need, give me, 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 me. And sometimes even in, in, in innocence, in a lot of innocence, sometimes what we pray, the reason why we don't get answers is because God's not going to give you what's going to hurt you. You may be praying, God, get rid of my wife or get rid of my husband. God says, no, no, ma'am, no, sir. Because the next one you get is going to be worse than the first one you had. 
because they all come in with baggage. I'm sticking with the one I got. She's great. I'll tell you what. Anybody that can put up with me for 47 years is pretty cool. And vice versa. <laughs> Thank you. You see, but rather, we, when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he knows what's best for us. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture how that has to happen. Listen to Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's a great verse. I love God, so God, give me what I want. The last 25, 30 years, all we heard is that God's going to make you rich, healthy. You're not going to have any problems. You should never get sick. You should never have financial trouble. And if you do, it's because you don't have any faith. That's a lie from the pits of hell. When it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust. But when we're walking in the Spirit and we're praying in the Holy Spirit, God makes a way for us to make it through all of that. So he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean you're going to get whatever you want. Because if God did that, it would cause us to, to, it would do us more harm than it would do us any good. We would think that he's nothing but a sugar daddy. That he gives his children everything they want and spoils them. But God, the Bible teaches us that God promised us new desires, godly desires, beneficial desires, the kind of desires that God himself has. That's what he wants to give us. Then he will satisfy the desires because they are the ones that he himself has given us. We got to seek what he wants for us. It means that God's spirit will change us and change the desires of our heart so they will be in conformity with the will of God. Listen to John 15, 7. Here again, if, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. How, how is that going to happen? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, if you start walking in me, if you start walking in my word, if my word begins to change your heart, to change your thinking, to change your mind, to change everything about you, and all of a sudden, what you begin to pray is, God, I want what you want more than what I want. Because all prayers have their source of origin. Praying in the spirit or praying in the flesh. And it doesn't make any sense to pray if my prayers originate with me and not with the Spirit of God. There are some things to remember if we're going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to give them to you real quickly. One, there are times when we do not know how to pray or what we should pray. How many of you can raise your hand and say that that's true in your life? I got to raise both hands. This time I get down to pray, I say, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And you know what happens? At that moment, it's easy for you to get up and find something else to do. The devil bring the list of the people, things you got to go do. You got to go to the store. You got to buy this. You got to buy that. He'll bring you stuff you got to do next year. But listen to what Romans 8, 26, 27 says. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as, as we ought. But the spirit himself 
He said, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What does that mean with groanings that cannot be uttered? Now, if you go to verse 22 of that chapter, it speaks about the creation of the world, the creation of God. It says that there was groaning, the world, the, the, the creation of God groaned. And you know what? If you look at the world today and you look what's happened, all the storms, everything that's happened in this world, the world is the world right now because it's in the complete flesh situation. It groans. It's like a nonverbal sighing. How many of you felt that way when you prayed? But it says, it says, the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit kicks in for you. And all of a sudden, because you allow the Spirit of God to move in you, the Spirit of God begins to groan these prayers. He takes the inside of you, the hurt, the pain, the anguish, the need, the desperation, the habits, the garbage inside of us. And, and we desperately need help. And he groans that to the Father. And he says, Father, this is what they need. And what we need is never in line with what we want. He says, now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to who? My will, your will? No, according to the will of God. We have weaknesses that arise from our ignorance. We do not know what is best. The same Spirit that gives us hope gives us help, helps us in the midst of weakness. The same Spirit will help us in our time of weakness. He helps to shoulder our burdens and he carries them. It's here that we need guidance from the Holy Spirit who always and at all times prays according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit assists us in praying by giving us the right desires and the right directions. And some of our prayers match our needs. You see, this is what it calls the weaknesses. That he mentions in verse 26 where the Spirit will help us. The Spirit is groaning along with us to God the Father in our behalf. Because we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to pray sometimes. There's times that I don't know what to say to God. There's times that the hurt in my heart in the last several months has been so big I didn't know what to pray. Miriam and I didn't know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit knew. There was times that I lay before God and just say, Holy Spirit, you pray for me because I don't know what to pray. I don't have the words to pray. All I have is brokenness and hurt. And I can tell you in the last couple of weeks, the Spirit of God has broken through our hearts and touched us. Because he's prayed according to the will of God. And that's what I want to encourage you, church. 
You got to pray through the Holy Spirit. You got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to pray. You got to seek the anointing of the Spirit of God. You got to engage the Spirit in your prayer life. You got to put your list to the side and say, God, what is it that you want for my children? How, what do you want for my marriage, for my job? What do you want for my life? What is it that you want in this situation? I know what I need. I know what I want. I know what I do. And what I want to do sounds very rational, sounds very intelligent. After all, I got a degree, a master's degree. I got a doctor's degree. I'm smart. I do this here. But God says, listen, I can outsmart you any day. In verse 26, the word weaknesses is translated in the King James Bible as infirmities. Paul is speaking of our sicknesses. He's speaking of our, our pain. He's speaking of our sorrows. That's what he's talking about. And sometimes in the midst of all of that, you wonder how, Lord, what's going to happen with me? We just heard yesterday that a lady that was, and her husband that was in this church in the other building, a great family, moved to Tupelo, did great. She went to bed one night after helping her granddaughters do some, uh, a coach and something, a, a woman that was, loves God. She went to bed, woke up at midnight sick, and at 2.30, she died of a stroke. What do you think that husband and those daughters and those grandchildren are praying for right now. Only the Holy Spirit can comfort. Only the Holy Spirit can come and minister in the midst of that sorrow, in the midst of that pain. It also speaks of our human weaknesses. We do not know how to pray for our many-sided weaknesses. So let me ask you, do you really know your real needs as God sees them? Or the needs of others around you that you think you know, but do you really know what they need? Do you know the will of God in respect to these things in your life? Do you really know? How many times have you and I made decisions that we thought was God and it was will only to find out we royally screwed up? This is why we need help from the Holy Spirit when we pray. I'm going to read to you a commentary that a theologian wrote many years ago, and it's in your notes. Don't read it right now. I'm going to read it quick. This is, you got to really think about this when you read it. So don't read it while I'm preaching because you're going to mess me up, okay? I'm call, call you out if I catch you reading it because it's going to take you. Some of you, and it took me time. You're smarter than I am, so you may get it real quick. God makes himself our advocate with himself that he utters for us the indescribable groanings so that he will surely hear what we ourselves could not have told him so that he will accept what he himself has offered. Now that's a tongue twister, isn't it? So when you get home, you sit down, Holy Spirit, give me revelation. Let me read this. Take a look because you're going to begin to see that it is God praying through you to him because he knows what you really need. That's in essence what it says. Number two, we need to know and be aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You see, anyone who professes Christ as Savior has the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for anyone to be saved and not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, there's some group out there that says that for you to be saved, you got to speak in tongues. That is a fallacy and it's not scriptural. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. 
The day you gave your heart to Jesus, the Bible says that his spirit came in you because he's the one that brings Jesus into your life and he justifies you just as you have never sinned before. The spirit of God already indwells you and he doesn't come into your life in installment plans. Half now and the other half when you speak in tongues. That ain't true. All of him comes inside of you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is another dimension of power that he gives us. And I believe in that and I think that's scriptural. But that's not what we're talking about here. Romans 8, 9 says, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. See how important the Holy Spirit, all two scriptures, we're warned and admonished and taught to have a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to say this respectfully. Many of you come from religious backgrounds that you were taught everything but the Holy Spirit. That was left out because somehow they were afraid. Or they said, that doesn't happen anymore. That ceased. No, it doesn't. If the early church needed the Holy Spirit, how much that more? We need the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to enlist the Spirit's help in prayer if we do not have him. You see, this is a real possibility, a real need in our life. You see, he may be resident in your life, but he may not be president of your life. There's a difference. The Holy Spirit is in you because you got saved, but you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to, re, to be president, to control, to dictate, to lead, to teach, to anoint, to help you find the mind of God. And no wonder that our prayers are not being answered. Christianity without the Holy Spirit is a total misrepresentation of who Jesus really is. And sometimes we pray, Lord, send the Holy Spirit down to bless the service. That is the most untheological thing I've heard. The Holy Spirit is not hanging out here in church waiting for us to get here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within me. When I come into this place, I bring the Holy Spirit in here. And I release him and he anoints the worship like we had this morning. And he anoints the preaching and he does great things in church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But nowadays, every time you hear some preacher preach that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it always has to do with overeating, exercising. That's of the devil. <laughs> Don't tell me about my exercise, my overeating. Let's concentrate on what the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit really is. How many of you can say amen to that? He's in you and I. You can know him and you can experience and enjoy his teaching and his leading. Do not treat the Holy Spirit's role in your life very lightly. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The closer we associate our praying with the Holy Spirit, the better our prayer life is going to be. Here's number three. To pray in the Spirit, we must be careful that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Listen to this scripture, Ephesians 4.31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. James 2.13, which we need more about in our world. For there will be no mercy to those who have shown no mercy. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy towards you will win out over, the, over his judgment against you. 
For the, in other words, for the same mercy you show others, that's God's, God's going to show you. How else can we grieve the Holy Spirit by not following leadership that God has put in your life? Having an unteachable spirit, not responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, unconfessing in your life. Let me give you number four quickly. In order to pray in the Spirit, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, this is a great verse. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. What is Paul saying? If you go out and drink a bottle of whiskey, you're going to act the fool. You're going to wake up somewhere and wonder, how did I get here? And who are you? How did you show up here? And... Where's my garments? <laughs> or there's bars there. Yeah. Or it happened to me one time back in New York. I did something that I shouldn't have done to two guys, and I woke up in the hospital three days later. You see, that's what happens when you start getting into stuff that's not right. But he said, but when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? You're going to do things that are right. You're going to say the right things. You're going to walk the right way. Oh, some people say, oh, I, could, I don't know how I did the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to do stupid stuff. Don't blame the Holy Spirit. for our, Let's not blame him for our stupidity, okay? He is a gentle spirit. He's a loving, caring spirit. He is a guiding spirit. He wants the best for you and I. He's not going to lead you to do anything dumb. I had so many preachers on television, and I've heard them through the years, blaming the Holy Spirit for all kind of stupid stuff they do. We have got to learn to walk in the control of the Holy Spirit. The day you gave your heart to Jesus, and I said this before, the Holy Spirit came into your heart. And when we're praying in the Spirit, and our minds and our wills are subject to his control. When you pray, you ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you. You prepare your mind. You put the radio out. Get that phone. Throw it away somewhere. And just sit there with God and say, God, cleanse me. And let my, the Spirit of the Lord begin to flow through you. Begin to say, God, I want your mind. I want your direction. I, you know what I need of. You know what I'm facing right now, Holy Spirit. And if you can't pray, let the Spirit of God just pray. Get into a spirit of worship and worship the Lord. And while you're worshiping, the Spirit of God is praying in your behalf. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There's no area of our life that we need, that we need more of the leading of the Holy Spirit than right now. I'm not a master in this important business of praying, but I am aware that I must look to the Holy Spirit for his help because my infirmities, my weaknesses are beyond my abilities. And at times, prayer is hard and it's bitter and it's a struggle and my prayers sometimes are emptied and that's when I thank him for his indwelling presence. I seek forgiveness and I ask God to pray the groanings of the Spirit of God through me. And if we cultivate praying in the Spirit, it will bring a change in our lives. You know what happens then? 
even in our corporate life, that's when the miraculous begins to happen. That's when healing takes place in our lives. That's when in a corporate setting like this, signs and wonders begin to happen. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to move. Miracles begin to take place. Answers begin to come to our prayers. Yes, that's when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and we grow. Prayer will no longer be a tedious and a tiresome experience. Our praying will become a delight because we're praying the will of God. It makes sense to utilize the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. I hope you received that word this morning from the Lord. I want us to bow our heads. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know that there's people here this morning that you have prayed with all your heart. You've prayed sincerely. But things haven't happened for you. Sometimes it's because God doesn't give us everything we want right away. Sometimes there is a waiting period. And I understand that. But sometimes we don't pray the wisdom and the will of God and God is not going to give you something to hurt you because he loves you. And I'm here to tell you what the word of God says about the Holy Spirit. Use him. Activate him in your life. He was given to you and I for a purpose, for a reason, to guide, to lead, to teach, to anoint. Take him to the marketplace out there where you work. Let the Spirit of God bring comfort into your heart. Let him soothe your hurt and your feeling. And if you've been praying for things in your life and it doesn't seem like there's been a breakthrough, and to this morning you say, you know, Pastor Ron, I'm gonna, I've learned something about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to begin to activate him more than ever. I'm going to start asking him to let me pray the will of God. I think I know what I want, but I'm starting to realize I need what he wants more than what I want. I'm going to employ the Spirit of the Lord in my life, in my prayer life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Put it down real quickly. Come on. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. I'm going to raise both of my hands. Amen. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray right now. For these precious people, Father. Lord, we're your people. We're your children. We're children. Desperately needing your direction, your guidance, your leading. Desperately needing, Father, something greater than ourselves to guide us through this life that we're living. To the weaknesses, to the hurts, to the infirmities, the sicknesses, to the trials and the tribulations that we go through, Father. To our broken hearts dealing with our addictions and dealing with all the, the sinful things in our life. And Father, we need you to help us through your spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you be activated in the heart of everyone here this morning. I pray that when we come back to church again, Father, next week, that we bring him in here and cut him loose. Let him do what he wants to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, there's people that are brokenhearted here, confused. 
Give them a sense of purpose and direction. Let them know that you got them in the palm of your hand, Lord. With every head still bowed, maybe what you need to do this morning is to give your heart to Jesus. Oh yeah. You may be, you may be religious, but religion, it doesn't cut it. It's a relationship with Jesus. And this morning, what you need to say, you know, Pastor, I want to be guided by the Holy Spirit, but the Word says that unless you accept Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You want the whole, you want the whole enchilada? Well, you give your heart to Jesus. Just give your heart to Jesus. You're not giving your heart to me or to this church or to any denomination. You're giving your heart to the one who died for you on the cross of Calvary. That's wonderful. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. It doesn't matter. Come the way you are. Within time, he'll help you to grow and change. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. But we'll help you. If you want to raise your hand to give your heart to Jesus, I want you just to put your hand right there. We're not going to call you up here. Just raise your hand real quickly. Put your hand up and put it down. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you up here. I want us all to pray right now. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my transgressions against you. I need you in my life, Lord. And I ask you right now that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you come into my life right now. Cleanse me. Make me whole. I'm a child of God now, and I thank you for that. Help me to grow and be what you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.